Mini episode 1581 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1581. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with you, and we have uh, a continuation of one of our great uh, trends over a period of time here. Every year, we always break it down for NFL Championship Sunday, one of the greatest days on the calendar. Let me bid everyone in advance a happy Championship Sunday. It is the day for true football fans, for hardcore football fans, and uh, this year we are actually going to break down Championship Sunday uh, with one of our favorite dignitaries here in the FDH Lounge and uh, somebody who I have just gotten back in touch with after a period of time here, and it has uh, been a great joy of mine uh, to be able to do that. Uh, one of the blessings, uh, it's blessings and curses, I would say, about uh, having a wide circle of people around you is that uh, sometimes uh, there will be periods of time uh, where you don't get to talk to everybody and uh, it relies on you to kind of catch up with them when it does happen. But uh, this gentleman, my very good friend, reached out to me for the uh, occasion of New Year's and we got back talking again and uh, just like uh, no time had passed. And uh, that was uh, very predictable, I think. Uh, you know, if, any, if you remember any of the previous segments with me and him, but also, I would say, at a, at a time like this, uh, a great blessing to me because, uh, as I've reflected on recently here on the show, another one of our FDH Lounge dignitaries and a longtime friend of mine, uh, Dave Adams, passing away. And uh, that leaves just really a big, big hole in my heart and the hearts of so many people around me right now. And so, you know, you look for the blessings at a time like this where you can find them. You get, uh, you know, a flower blooming up somewhere and... Uh, when a friend reaches back out to you and you get talking to him again, uh, there's that flower uh, popping up there. And I can think of no better way uh, to preface that than to say uh, it's just a pleasure to have my great friend, the scout Ken Becks, uh, back on the show. Of course, firstdownscouting.com. You can check out all of his great work there. Uh, we first got to be friends back in the old Sports Talk Network days uh, when he would make appearances on some of the different shows. And uh, of course, uh, the FDH Lounge being one of them. The Scout Ken Becks uh, is, is uh, a par excellence for talking football. He always, in his own words, goes snapped a whistle on his analysis. And uh, just a pleasure to have him back on. So, Kenny, uh, a joy to be back on with you, my friend. And I know it's going to be like no time at all has gone by. Well, Rick, anytime we get together, I feel like I'm at that uh, the table, you know, we're all feasting together. You know, all the good delights that you ever could one at the tables there, and you just don't know which one, which plate to pick from. That's right. So to be out here with you, it's, it's a beautiful thing, and uh, <clears throat> it's almost like you're saying I'm an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> Am we, I ancient or what? we go back, buddy. We go back a ways. I mean, at least as far as, uh, I, I want to say, I think, 08. Uh, 08, 09, somewhere in that ballpark at the old Sports Talk Network. 
And oh, uh, yeah. when, when you started coming on the shows here, and uh, again, just uh, a pleasure, because I know, again, your extensive background, uh, both with the website, but additionally uh, coaching football and scouting and uh, your familiarity with things as well. You know, this is something where we might have touched on it uh, previously, uh, but uh, you were a part of a project that I thought was really, really cool uh, some years back at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, getting to be a part of that, of course, Fawcett Stadium right adjacent there. That uh, I, I don't know what they called it, but like a sort of a World Cup of American football, something with uh, national teams from around the world coming here for an event, competing against one another, and... Uh, I know that was a big deal for you to be a part of. Oh yeah, that 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 more or less it had like the young up and comers coming through. Uh, well, you could say like young guys that you know had upside, and eventually a good number of them guys ended up being in the NFL. And uh, it was just a, a pleasure for me to be able to get to. I love kids, you know how it is, right? Sure. So, and anytime you can um, combine football with youth man I, I mean i'm always a part of that you know what i'm saying because more or less i just use the football as an avenue to get a hold of the, the you know the young youth and uh, just try and you know push them and nudge them in the right direction and, and football is a good path to, to utilize that way it really is and you know before we get on the championship sunday since we're talking about this i'd like to ask you about a pet theory of mine because this is something i have that kind of goes across sports and I, particularly when you look at the expansion of the number of teams in sports, like I have always felt like expansion in sports only has really worked when the talent pool catches up. In Major League Baseball, uh, after the color line was broken, I think that's what made it plausible to expand to more teams. It wasn't watered down because the talent pool was bigger. You started to get, uh, you know, the Dominican Republic and international as far as like the 60s. Same thing I thought with the NBA and the NHL, uh, that when uh, the Iron Curtain fell and uh, you know you had the Russian players coming over, more of the European players to the NHL, I, I felt like it was a little bit bloated for a period of time, but I felt like the talent pool caught up, and I think the same thing happened in the NBA. They went through some fallow years when it looked like they overexpanded, but then the Europeans helped them to catch up. My theory about the NFL, when people talk about potential expansion in the NFL, is I don't think it's going to be plausible until you start to get these other countries, whether they be Germany. I know Germany's one of the bigger ones out there for uh, American football. Uh, Canada, some of the other ones that you might have seen from your experiences there in Canton. I don't think until they start pumping out a decent number of players, I don't think it's going to be plausible for the NFL to expand without watering down. Do you share my thought on that? Well, I'm glad you bring up this, uh, this issue because... <clears throat> it's something that's been on my mind for, for years, and, and I'm 50-50. One thing I would say, and, I, and they are starting to have, um, I would say, like the HB, HBCUs. Mm -hmm. It's starting to get a little bit more um, filtrated to where they're, they're, they're starting to dip into that area. Yep. And, um, I, you know, throughout the years, you know, it's, it was hard for me to get a lot of game film mm -hmm. through uh, HBCU. But when I did get game film, there was, like, so many talents that you could see that maybe we're playing out of position. Mm -hmm. Like you might have a defensive tackle that's like 6'5", 255, and it, very effective, but he wouldn't put up the sack numbers, obviously. And, yeah. and, but in your mind, you could see him projected at outside linebacker or maybe like rush defensive end. He can make the NFL. The problem is, though, 
at those lower levels, when you don't have the numbers, they're not even going to bring you in for a tryout. That's so great the point. NFL really isn't into projection as right. much as people think. You know, like from if you're a defensive tackle, they can't project you at the outside linebacker. Right. You know, they're not going to take the time to do that. Now, people like myself that are hardcore into evaluations, we can project like that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so frustrating when you see guys like that that are NFL caliber, or at least at least Canadian. You know, you know, or. or or maybe practice squad type guys that could develop for a year or two and make it in NFL squads, um, not have the opportunity, you know. And so that's why I always said, you know, I don't, I don't look at the jersey you wear. I look at, you know, how you're performing on, on the field, which is very important. You know, I look at the guy from um, Ball State just as much as I do the guy from Ohio State. You know, because because each each player to me is an individual talent of itself you know so um ohio state i, I could care less I'm, you know when i'm in my professional mode evaluating that's all i'm worried about i'm not worrying about the jersey you wear um and to go further with it um a lot of uh, thoughts that i have you know you have a number of players uh rick that i was thinking about like uh, other sports type guys like nba uh, basketball college basketball players a lot of them have backgrounds in football, but you know there's a small percentage of those guys that make it to the NBA or even play in other leagues. And, you know, I, I tell you what, there should be something, like if a team was smart, they'd have a developmental, somebody that was in charge of that, maybe grab some of those guys and, and, and have them go through the rangers of different positions because there's a wealth of talent there too. Boy, that's a great point. And the way you built on my point there by talking about the underrepresented scene in America, uh, that was uh, – that was I. You took my no look pass, my friend, and you did a lot with it. And uh, that's a great, that you know, just way that you sort of developed that thought there. And uh, I think to whatever degree that this is where potentially the XFL and the USFL can uh, work, because I know the NFL is going to have uh, a closer relationship with, uh, I believe it's the XFL. I believe they were working with them a little bit last year, but between the leagues. Uh, you know, there is the possibility uh, to potentially have it go, uh, so, you know, where, again, guys like there, because what about somebody like Antonio Gates for our nearby Kent State? Uh, you know, somebody who was uh, on their Elite Eight team. Now, again, he was doing it on the gridiron as well, but I think of him as somebody who was really kind of a standout in another sport uh, that, again, he was maybe a little raw when he came into the league. So that's a great point that you have there. Maybe these other leagues can be used to do that, but one way or another, I think we both agree that the NFL is going to need a wider talent pool than what's been traditionally out there if uh, expansion is going to be feasible. Especially, I'm going to stop you there, but especially if they're uh, talking about going to that 18th week, too. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, I mean, at some point, the body can only take so much, you know, so you're going to occur more injuries. There's no question. No question about that, and uh, that's where, again, we've already expanded to the 17th week of the season, and because of that, uh, every year before last year, we would have already been past Championship Sunday. But here we are, this Sunday coming up, uh, January 29th. And uh, in the early game, it is going to be uh, San Francisco at Philadelphia. Uh, that's uh, I always look for commonalities between the cities. I, I guess we could say uh, for the custody of the Warriors, right? The Warriors have played in both cities there. Uh, win- winner, winner gets them, or maybe loser gets them, depending on how you look at it. But... Uh, 
On the main page at FantasyDraftHelp.com, right at the top there, we've got our 2022-23 NFL end of regular season breakdown and in a bunch of the different categories. So I'm going to read this off for both of the games that we have here. A point of comparison between the two teams. Uh, in the final FDH power rankings for the regular season, it was Philadelphia 4, San Francisco was 6th place. SRS, Philadelphia 4th, San Francisco 2nd. On margin of victory, Philadelphia 3rd, San Francisco 2nd. Strength of schedule, both are weak. Philadelphia, despite being in a tough division, 29th place. San Francisco 32nd in strength of schedule in the regular season. OSRS, San Francisco was 7th, Philadelphia 3rd. Both of them tied for 4th in offensive yards per play. 3rd down offense, Philadelphia 4th, San Francisco 6th. We, uh, we get to another double-digit number here. 13th place for Philadelphia in DSRS. Uh, San Francisco was 2nd, but Philadelphia 1st in defensive yards per play. San Francisco 3rd. So a little bit of a discrepancy between DSRS and defensive yards per play, which is interesting. 3rd down defense, interestingly enough, both of these teams a little mediocre. San Francisco 14th, San Fran uh, Philadelphia 14th, San Francisco 16th. Uh, they ended up very close on the overall rankings here. They were second and third when you take all of these numbers and put them in a blender. So two incredibly tough teams, two very good defenses. San Francisco may be more of the traditional team that has a good defense where they play grittier on offense because they kind of have to because with Brock Purdy, it's not like you're going to rely on the Mr. Irrelevant of the 2022 NFL draft to win it for you. San Francisco is is a, a little bit more limited as far as what they can do. Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, a legitimate MVP candidate. He can go out there, and Philly can beat you with any style offensively. So that would appear to give them a pretty decent edge. They, uh, they are favored by 2.5 as we uh, record this here, which is the same number as when it opened. So a lot to digest there in looking at it, uh, Ken, but what are some of the key things about this game that jump out at you as an evaluator? Well, first of all, you, you know, I always look to the quarterback situation. Yes. And, um, you know, that Purdy, <laughs> I tell you, Rick, uh, he's got nine lives, doesn't he? He I, does. I tell you, I like, I like this kid. Now, um, coming out of college, I really didn't get a chance to evaluate him coming out of Iowa State, so I can't, you know, really uh, get too in-depth about that. But from what I've seen, his poise, and uh, for the moment, I, I don't think the stage is too big, to be honest with you. Because what do we have, like a four or five game um, um, yeah. recap of, of what he's been able to show so far, right? Is what, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's been at least five games now at yeah. this point. Yeah. And, again, so, a I tough, mean, I, tough I defense against that. I know it's a short period of time for the most part, but, I, I, I mean, the guy's been playing, quite honestly, kind of outstanding to me. You know, I mean, yeah, they're been. not asking him to put up, you know, numbers uh, 400 yards a game. But at the same time, the, the, what I like about it is like they're run the engine's running smooth. I yes. don't see any too many hiccups. Uh, and, and what I like about him, he knows what his weaknesses and his strengths. And, and that's an important thing, you know, at any position. And, and I go back to the poise again. Uh, his football IQ. And I like his uh, athleticism. Yeah. You know, some people might say it's sneaky, but I don't see it being sneaky. I mean, he's he's doing it week by week. And so, you know, though I think Hurts, you know, is a legitimate um, MVP candidate, I don't think the drop-off between Purdy and Hurts is, is enough to where 
you know, you, you can just give the game to the to the Eagles. No, no, I don't think that would do it single-handedly. Now, uh, Purdy with a little tougher of a week last week than he'd had previously, but against a very good Dallas defense uh, in that game. I, I think it's a real tone setter for what's going to happen this week uh, here because I would look for another sort of you know medium-scoring type game, I would think, stylistically between these teams. Uh, two uh, good uh, de- uh, offenses, I, I, I would say potentially very good in Philadelphia's case. Uh, two good to great defenses. Uh, I'm looking for a game somewhere in the sort of mid-range scoring-wise. So uh, Purdy, again, got to play that one on his home field. He's got to go cross-country for this one hostile crowd. But at least going up against that Dallas defense with some of the physicality and the challenges they present, uh, it's a good, I think, stylistic preparation for what he's going to be in for Sunday, I would think. Oh, no question. Uh, you know, one thing I was thinking about as you were talking, he almost comes off it poise-wise almost like a, a Joe Burrow, wouldn't you say? Yes, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, the guy, I wouldn't say he's cocky, but he's definitely confident. Yes. And, you know, confidence usually comes from knowing, you know, putting the work in, you know right. what I mean? And so when he's on the field, he's just, to me, I tell you, man, he seems like he's just got it, Rick. Now, you can't yeah. define it, but, I mean, he's... <laughs> I tell you, it's been a short run for him, but I tell you, if, if you're an Eagles fan, you, you definitely have to have concern there. I think you do, and uh, it's interesting, just taking a slight look ahead to next year, uh, people are saying right now, oh, you should definitely be the guy, and I'm looking at it like, they, they don't. it's not even a tough decision here, because I'm assuming Jimmy G is going to be elsewhere next year. Trey Lance isn't going to be ready week one anyways, so if you let right. him come back on a regular timetable for that injury... You start with Purdy as the incumbent, and you just kind of take it from there, I think. So for all these people that are, like, looking ahead, and, like, I think they're making it harder than it needs to be. It's not like Trey Lance is going to be healthy on day one. Oh, no, I'm right there with you. And, and you know, some of the NFL scuttlebutt is that uh, Trey Lance are talking about maybe trading him over to the Titans because uh, their new GM over there, Rand Carson, has uh, ties with him. Yes. And so that's a whole other ball game, but you know I can actually see something like that. Maybe not to the Titans, but you know I like Lance coming out. But you have to admit, Rick. I mean, the, the little bit of time we had to see him, it, it wasn't going too smooth. No, you know. And now that doesn't mean the guy can't be, you know, a legitimate franchise type or, or, or um, top fifteen type quarterback. But when you Get a talent like Perry. I don't, and let's stop the uh, Mister Irrelevant stuff. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, at this point, there's no way you're going to put five to six games together like this against the, uh, with the pressure he had on him and the talent of teams he was going against. And this isn't Mister Irrelevant anymore. So no, sure. you know, we, we have to start putting him in a category of a legitimate potential starting quarterback. And like what you brought up uh, before about uh, him being the, the incumbent. I'm exactly there with you. Yeah, I think he has to be, and I think in looking at it here. Now, oh, uh, by the way, don't forget that seventh-round draft pick, that yeah. salary cap looks real good too, Rick. Oh, it does. It does. Uh, they're going to have to pay him at some point, but they're in good shape. And I'll tell you, we're, we're going to be in for a lot of crap in the years ahead from a lot of the mouth breathers out there. Remember after Brady was a sixth-round pick? Well, our team can go just get a guy in the sixth round then, like Tom Brady. We're going to be hearing a lot of that from all the all the malinformed and misinformed people of the world, Ken Becks, for a long time to come. So thank you for that, Brock Purdy. Thank you for foisting that upon us, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 
that, that does keep them alive still, huh? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But, you know, it's an interesting thing, the way that he fits in with uh, Kyle Shanahan's scheme and, uh, you know, across the way here, uh, what uh, Nick Sirianni has been able to do uh, in two years. It, it's it's kind of funny because uh, one of our FDH Lounge dignitaries, uh, Joe Stazak, a uh, longtime Philly TV and radio guy, uh, we were talking about this uh, a couple of years ago once uh, Doug Peterson was hired and he, he was sort of complaining about how they, they went the road less traveled. Like, they, they hired a guy nobody else was even looking at. Well, look at how it went for him. And then kind of the same thing with Nick Sirianni. I don't know that he was on anybody else's radar. I mean, they do things their way in Philadelphia. But as I've pointed out to Stazak as well, I think Howie Roseman is sort of the J.R. Smith of general managers. Like, sometimes you love him and sometimes you want to choke him. You want to choke him when he's passing on Jalen Rager, or he's taking Jalen Rager, I should say, passing on Justin Jefferson and making some of the moves. And, like, everybody's ready to anoint him as executive of the year, but it's like he goes through these wild ups and downs. And the ups are when he's having to clean up his own messes, essentially. So, you know, I'm a little more neutral on him. I try not to get as high and low on Howie Roseman as other people because, you know, if you like him, give it six months and you might not. If you hate him, give it six months and you might not. But, I mean, this is undeniably a high ebb as it was uh, for the 2017 season. I mean, this is the best they've looked since then. He's put it together with uh, not a lot of the same pieces here. Uh, you know, Jason Kelsey is still there, Fletcher Cox. You can count on, you know, probably two hands the number of players that are left in the turnover since then. And uh, offensively and defensively, a uh, team very stout on both sides of the ball in different areas. Well, I think the acquisition of, uh, which is, I'm, I'm having a brain fire, A.J. Uh, A.J. Brown. Yes, I think that was a major, major, because when they made that move, you're putting your chips to the middle on that one. Yes. And, uh, you know, and at that time, we, we weren't exactly sure about Jalen Hurts. I mean, you could you could have your pontifications on what you think he might have could have been, and right. I, I, you could see the the the, uh, the tip going up on him, and, you know, as far as where he was going, but we weren't sure yet. So when they went and got, uh, when they went and got him, A.J., I, I had to give him some credit there. Either way, it would have went, you know. So, but it, it worked out great for him. I mean, they're in the championship for the for the NFC, so obviously it went good. And uh, speaking of which, uh, AJ uh, um, Jalen Hurts coming out of uh, Oklahoma when he transferred from Alabama, I I can tell you, I never would have projected him being quite the player he is right now. Now the system fits him good. He's got good tools around him and everything like that. But once again it goes back to that poise and football IQ and uh leadership, uh good athleticism and I tell you what, he's really surprised me, Rick, as far as you know as fast as he's developed. Because this has been over a short period of time. You know, not too long ago Philadelphia fans were booing him, getting him off wanting to get him off the field now. Like you were talking about Howie Roseman, it's like it's like the stock market. One week you're great, the next you're not. And uh, you know if he keeps on this continual uh, upswing, this ain't gonna be the last uh, uh, NFC Championship game they're gonna be in. Well, it's worth pointing out that's that's a great point on your part, and that both teams have defied the odds of quarterback getting here because. Philadelphia, and again, I'm like you. I, I wasn't really buying it necessarily on Hertz because, again, he lost his job to Tua at Alabama. I had to go to Oklahoma, and it was 
He just never really put it together completely at the college level. And that's why he dropped to the second round. And guys in the second round usually have that kind of late first round, early second round, usually have a ceiling. Now, there's some guys like Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round that defy that. But early second round, that's the neighborhood of about a decade or so ago. Andy Dalton, Colin Kaepernick, guys who are going to do so much and no more than that. And I thought Hertz was going to be just another one of those guys. So big ups to him for proving me wrong, the coaching staff for bringing out the best in him. Neither team has gone the conventional route at quarterback here. San Francisco tried to with Lance with a high pick, a, a pedigree guy, so to speak. I guess a pedigree guy, right? I mean, he's a small school guy, but he went, he went high in the draft. So that gives you the pedigree where you were taken. So this is something where, again, uh, neither team, interestingly, like I said, particularly stout on third down. So you could see some drives getting extended here in the course of this game. Ultimately, home field, the fact that I think Philadelphia might be just a shade more versatile offensively. I'm going to say Eagles 23, 49ers 17. The Eagles would be my pick to get through this one. Now, do you have a lean either way, Ken? You know, one thing I would say, I would say somewhere in the 20s. Okay. Like you're, like you're, you know, uh, 28, 23, somewhere in that area. Okay. I don't see a big, um, you know, uh, 40, 30 type game here. Uh, right. Because you do have to give the defenses some credit here. Um, and they're opportuni uh, opportunistic type defenses. So, you know, um, going back to the basics, if, if one of these teams has uh, two or more turnovers, that, that's going to be that's going to be a major factor in this game because you cannot be doing that against these types of teams. Yes, they are opportunistic teams to be sure, no doubt about that. Uh, the, the late game is going to be a classic. It's a rematch of what we saw last year. Cincinnati at Kansas City. And again, for our uh, end of regular season breakdown that you can find on the main page at fantasydrafthelp.com, here were the points of comparison. Again, these teams bunched up very closely. By the way, we added up the total points on all of these. So at least number of points uh, would be the best, basically, because you're trying to be as, as you know low of a number slash high in the rankings as you can in every category. Interestingly, Buffalo at 35 overall, by far the first, but the next four teams on the second tier, Philadelphia 79 points, San Francisco 80, Cincinnati 82, Kansas City 84. They're bunched very closely. When I was reading the Philly and San Francisco numbers, they were pretty tight. Same thing with the Bengals and the Chiefs. Final FDH power rankings, Cincinnati third, Kansas City second, SRS, Cincinnati third, Kansas City sixth, Margin of victory, Cincinnati 6th, Kansas City 4th. Strength of schedule, big difference here. Cincinnati 8th, Kansas City 28th. That could be uh, significant. Wow. OS yeah, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that, that's a sign of a glass jaw right there, buddy, when you have that yeah. big of a difference in there in terms of who they played this year. Uh, OSRS, Kansas City was 4th. Uh, I'm sorry, Kansas City was 2nd, Cincinnati was 4th. Offensive yards per play, a little bit of a spread here. Cincinnati was 11th, Kansas City was 1st. Third down offense, Kansas City 2nd and Cincinnati 3rd. DSRS, Cincinnati 9th, Kansas City 19th. Defensive yards per play, Cincinnati 15th, Kansas City 7th. Defensive third down uh, stops here, 
Cincinnati only 20th, Kansas City 13th. So Kansas City kind of mid in that. Cincinnati not so great on third down defense. Very interesting, sort of a commonality between the four teams. You get to third down and those defenses are a little bit more porous. But uh, so much that is uh, being paid attention to here, obviously, uh, you talk about marquee quarterbacks. Uh, this game has them, even if the, the the other game, the two guys don't have the pedigree. They certainly have them in this game. And the things that everybody is focusing on right now, the health of Patrick Mahomes, that high ankle sprain, is he going to be compromised in the game this week? I mean, I think it's inevitable that he is. It's just a matter of how much. Conversely, Joe Burrow going into Buffalo. My guy, the honorary Bobcat, the honorary Ohio University guy. We claim him as one of our own uh, because of his dad and everything else and growing up uh, in Athens and everything. But uh, Joe Burrow making me proud going out there last week, uh, a, a clutch performance in Buffalo, the likes of which I don't think we could say uh, Buffalo got from Josh Allen. So, you know, those Buckeyes still claim a little part of them. There you go. There's the Buckeyes, too. <laughs> Why, hey, you know, and I, I know an LSU guy that's going to say, oh, hey, he's uh, one of us as well. And, you know, hey, when you're off to the start in your career that he is, everybody's going to want to claim a piece of you. And, uh, you know, so, uh, but uh, my guy Burrow here uh, has got Cincinnati in uh, a very interesting spot. One-point favorites on the road. They started off getting a point and a half. It has swung uh, both of these lines incredibly, incredibly tight at this point here. And, uh, again, just as far as it goes with the story of the quarterbacks, again, uh, Burrow looking like he's just about at his peak right now. Mahomes has had a tough time with Cincinnati. The Cincinnati defensive uh, coaching has been very stellar in games like this. Last week against Buffalo, last year against Kansas City in the second half, uh, plus Mahomes with the bum wheel. So talk about that there as far as the quarterbacks, the two glamour guys, and, and what we can look for from them this week. Oh, yeah, you know, everything starts uh, with uh, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, to me, he's definitely, a, when you say generational quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, he's got all the bells and whistles you look for. Um, one thing you do have to look with the, with this uh, high ankle sprain, you know, I wouldn't say he's injury prone, but we have start to see little, what, what would you say, um, kinks in his uh, arm? Sure, yes. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say injury prone, but, you know, uh, they are, well, what's he in his sixth, seventh year now? I mean, he's yeah. not exactly a spring chicken, exactly, Rick. But, yeah. uh, yeah, the, this, uh, high ankle sprain, I, I'm looking at him probably being about 80%, maybe. Um, and, you know, good grief. I mean, most of the NFL teams would take 80% of uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know. But, uh, in this game, it's going to be such a close game. I mean, I'm looking at the offenses, and, uh, I don't see too much advantage either way. Uh, the quarterback situation is is pretty spot on on both sides of the running game. You know, you got um, the Bengals with uh, what's the running back over there? Uh, well, Mixon, yeah, 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 yeah. But I think is actually a little underrated, believe it or not. You know, with the high of uh, flying passing game that the Bengals have, and then you know you got Pacheco and uh, a rotation of backs over at Kansas City. So you know, combining those two, I think that's pretty even. Uh, the wide receiver situation, I guess I'd have to give a lean over to the Bengals on that one. Definitely. Um, and so if I had to say on the offensive side, especially with Mahomes being the way he is, I'd give a little edge. I can see the one-point difference there. It'd go either way. But uh, you do have to go lean to Cincinnati. 
And then, you know, looking at the defenses, I'll tell you what, that, what is it, Lou Adam, uh, Anna Oh, yeah. Like uh, yeah. Goodness. Because <laughs> put it this way, they're doing, the sum of the parts are doing better than, the whole is doing better than the sum of the parts. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I don't see the, 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 the dominating players. They got two or three guys that, you know, are, are top performers. But other than that, you got a lot of, you know, mid, mid-range type guys that are, are solid. Maybe yeah. a little bit more than solid. But like I said, I, I think I think that coaching staff is really coaching them up. Absolutely. Anarumo, I mean, and again, I really didn't know much about him before last year's playoffs because why would anybody, quite frankly? But, uh, boy, what he's been doing on the big stage here has just been really, really special. And that's one of those things where, I mean, if I'm a Kansas City fan and I'm looking at what he's gotten that Bengals defense to rise up and do, uh, you know, and again, the combination of that and Mahomes being, you know, whatever degree hobbled, that's not a good combo right there, albeit that is a thing where it can be, uh, this is one of these things for, for, for a guy like Mahomes who, uh, a, again, uh, you know, he, he had a, a setback, you would say, as far as the trajectory to potentially challenging Brady for greatest of all time. That Super Bowl loss to Tampa Bay was a real skid mark. I know their, their offensive line was crappy, but it's hard to remember too many of the greatest quarterbacks of all time having a game like that early on. But it's a thing where in terms of like reestablishing himself in that and maybe pulling away from the other top quarterbacks, instead of there being a debate of who's the best right now, but getting back into the conversation of who's the best all time, a Super Bowl run that would include beating Cincinnati, getting past this Lou Anarumo defense. I mean, Mahomes has a chance to make a gigantic statement in his career with a game this week if, if he can physically do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we're, if we're talking in that area, you know, if you throw in a high ankle sprain and, and, and he goes on to get into the championship and, and wins it somehow, you're, right, you're spot on because, you know, like I said, he's generational. But, like, if he's going to have a chance of, of taking Brady or even being in that type of uh, – higher type situation he's definitely gonna he's gonna kind of win it this year if you think about it because at some point how long can they do this run you know especially right. at his cap hit on the salary i mean what's he making what 40 40 plus he's, i mean at some point it's gonna yeah. take a hit to that that uh, you know roster so you know when it, when the championship is there to grab you gotta take it well, here's the thing, too, of like, this is one of these deals where in terms of the pressure on both teams, I mean, it's a very rare situation when the defending AFC champions are the ones that are more likely to be playing with house money, because as far as being back a number of times in the years to come, let us not forget, Joe Burrow's still got at least a little bit of time on that rookie deal. So mm-hmm. Kansas City... They're already having to make choices. Guys are getting away because they can't hold on to everybody here. And that's where defensively, when they won the Super Bowl, they were able to get to the point. I compared them a lot to the 09 Saints because those Drew Brees teams, any years that the defense could at least be middle of the pack, they were a legitimate threat to win at all. But Brees had a number of years in New Orleans where the defense just couldn't do enough and the offense can't carry everything. For Kansas City, they were able to get to that middle-of-the-pack point in 2020, and that was enough to get the job done, or for the 2019 season, I should say, versus in uh, with, with, with Cincinnati. They've got a defense uh, with the, the coaching job that Anarumo's been doing of where they can be 
potentially aspirational for even a little bit more than that. I mean, the job that they did against Buffalo, holding them to 10 points last week, shutting out uh, Kansas City in the second half last year, uh, Cincinnati's got that in their back pocket. They got that horseshoe of knowing that the defense is capable of, of being up at that level versus I think Kansas City has to hope that their defense can be. Right. Is this like three or four in a row now since the Niners beat the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, this is a, uh, it's, it's a 3-0 and o, uh, Burrow versus uh, Mahomes. I mean, it's right, right. starting to become a thing. And uh, the funny thing is they played them late in the 2021 season. So all of these games are in like within about like 14 months of one another of mm-hmm. when they played. And like we were speaking before about Mahomes as far as, you know, his legacy. Yes. You know, it, 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 at some point he's going to have to beat the Bengals. Yes. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, yes. uh, it, it, it's going to have to, I, I wouldn't say it has to be this year, but, you know, we always think, you know, everybody's going to be like Brady and they're going to play into their 40s, but that's not realistic. Right. So, so you know, he's going to have to, like, uh, take advantage when the, when the iron's hot. And so, like, if they don't win it this upcoming Sunday, you know, they're, they're going to have to rethink some things. Well, they are, and by the way, too, uh, Brady all those years was foregoing the salary. Uh, he, he basically uh, was going along with the program with Belichick mm-hmm. to take less money, uh, you know, for yeah, the rest of like the team. Mid, like, you know, who was he like? Uh, he was like a mid-type uh, salary kind of guy. He came the quarterbacks. As right? far as quarterbacks, yeah. Now, then again. Uh, you know, uh, married to a uh, Brazilian supermodel who made more money than he did. So he had that luxury. You, you could say that his lifestyle at the time when he was married anyways was being subsidized by outside funds. But like for Mahomes, he's going to be making $50 million a year over the bulk of this deal. Are you going to want to play into your 40s when you're making $50 million a year and you've got it all banked away? Like why? Because by the way, any contract he signs after this one, he won't be making $50 million. So, no, no. because this thing will take him, like, well into his 30s. When, yeah. you, when you've got half a bill in the bank or whatever it's going to be, why would you want to bust your balls to be playing at age 42? You know what I mean? It doesn't and, make and sense. Yeah, besides these high ankle sprains and things like that, after a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got so much in the bank, you do have to start thinking, you know, if I do be living on the beach, I want to be able to walk on the beach, not yes. be able to be limping exactly. That's a great point. That's a great point as well. And so, you know, seeing what happens here again, I, I, I think, you know, for as much as we look at the two quarterbacks, I think the capacity of both defenses uh, to kind of rise up uh, really may be more determinative here at the end of this game. And uh, I think, uh, again, Kansas City, uh, you know, they do have a defense that can be opportunistic, uh, something that is going to be a tough matchup for Cincinnati 20th and third down defense, Kansas City is, uh, as far as third down offense, they are second. So that's kind of brutal if Kansas City can keep extending drives on them. But again, uh, historically that hasn't really been the case uh, going up against Anarumo. Uh, I'm looking at this here, and uh, I'm inclined to say uh, Bengals 31, Chiefs 27. I think the Bengals, as the rare road favorites in a conference championship game, I think they're going to get the job done. I think they're going back to the Super Bowl. Uh, do you have a lean either way on this one, Ken? You know, I think I have to lean with you. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> as, as much as, you know, I am a, a big Mahomes fan, you know, but uh, if you had to put the money down, you can't always do that with your heart, you know, and, and seeing that he's got that high ankle sprain, that is a factor, Rick. I mean, you know, and, um, and I'm looking over the Chiefs defense and, you know, other than Chris Jones, I mean, they got, what, Frank Clark, but other yeah. than that, you know, they got, what, uh, Carl Arsus, the youngster, but, man, I'm just not seeing them heavy hitters as far as, like, you know, bringing the pressure. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you leave <laughs> um, Burrow in the pocket like that, that that's, that's not good. And so there's a reason they call him Joe Cool, Yeah. you know? I agree. And, uh, I, you know, I got to lean with the Bengals on this one, especially the way, that, you know, that D coordinator's uh, – Working that working that talent on that side of the the defense, so yeah, I, I'd have to give a, a slight lean over to the to the Bengals this week. I agree, and I think it's uh, I think it's going to be a great slate of games uh, here this week, and uh, just absolutely uh, amazing getting to talk the gridiron with you again here, uh, Scout. Uh, I know that uh, this is certainly something I want to mention with your firstdownscouting.com and your brand. I know that moving ahead here, uh, we can just you know put out a teaser or so, but uh, I know that you're looking to get into uh, some content uh, in this form and fashion. You've been doing the written content all this period of time, but branching out into some multimedia going along here, so... Uh, take it away on whatever kind of hints you want to drop to anybody of some of the coverage that's going to be coming. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I want to definitely get into the podcast, uh, maybe even some YouTube. We'll see how it goes, but i got to get my feet wet first. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to try and get that podcast going and, uh, you know, get some evaluator types on there, uh, football-oriented type people, you know, maybe some players uh, coming in the drafts, things like that. Definitely the, the Rick Morris's of the world there. <laughs> and, and i got to have him on the show because uh he quantifies football as far as i'm concerned if you if you had an opportunity to listen to this show you can see how he was directing the show like this i gotta have a professional like that on my podcast <laughs> thank you buddy thank you at uh you know the checks in the mail pal but uh you know <laughs> yeah this is you know i i love breaking it down with you uh it's guys like you that bring out the best in me buddy that's all i can say and uh it's just a, a true pleasure and a, a delight in getting into it with you here and uh i will uh, look forward to uh participating in your coverage uh, as you deem appropriate in the time ahead here and uh you know of course uh, we'll be doing the same and getting you back here on the show so i cannot thank you enough uh, the scout ken becks from firstdownscouting.com and one of our beloved fdh lounge dignitaries going way back thank you so much ken And thank you, everybody, for checking out FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1581.